You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, this is Kevin McGuire, host of the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. Today is Monday, September 7th, 2020. Happy Labor Day. Hopefully you're having a nice day off, if that is the case for you. We've got some stuff to talk about as we continue to wonder when the Big Ten is going to play some college football because the college football season is underway. We just saw week one of the schedule play out over the weekend, and now we're trying to still figure out exactly when we're going to see Penn State take the field once again. We'll talk about that in today's podcast. Make sure you are subscribed in your favorite podcasting app. If you enjoy this episode, make sure you also leave a rating and review no matter what podcast app you may be listening to. And don't forget to stay socially connected with us in a variety of ways by using the username LockedOnNittany on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitch. In an alternate universe, this podcast would be starting off by discussing Penn State's season-opening victory over Kent State, which would have taken place on Saturday. A nice little easy matchup for Penn State to overpower their non-conference opponent from the MAC, a t- program that has traditionally struggled and was going to be up against a, a very deep and talented running game that Penn State was going to have to offer, along with Micah Parsons showcasing his defensive ability to uh, a fair amount of degree before getting an early rest as Penn State was blowing the doors wide open. In another alternate universe, Penn State would be coming off their first victory of the season in Big Ten play against the Northwestern Wildcats, a hard-fought, gritty game where Northwestern really took Penn State to task, really kind of made them adjust as the game was going on. And of course, Penn State would be celebrating a 1-0 victory to start off the year with a 1-0 conference mark. Of course, we live in this universe where there was no Penn State football. There was no Big Ten football. Week one of the college football season has come and gone. Pretty much. And we're still waiting to see when the Big Ten is going to be able to get the chance to play football again. We don't know when that's going to be, officially. There is a lot of more conversation about potentially getting a season started, maybe even as early as October. I remain somebody who's, I'm going to say skeptical, but I'm just going to believe it when I see it. I think there's still so much that needs to be ironed out as far as where we're going here. But I will say, I got a chance to kick back and watch a little bit of college football over the weekend. I got a chance to see Memphis, who Penn State took care of in the Cotton Bowl, snap their one-game losing streak uh, in a fun game against Arkansas State. There were a couple of blowouts. Army obviously was uh, well prepared for their matchup against Middle Tennessee, which just looked like a program that was preparing for a season in a pandemic, which is probably going to be a recurring theme as more and more teams start to hit the field uh, beginning this week and again next week as the other power conferences start to get involved in the action that are playing. And uh, SMU uh, had a little bit of a tough game against Texas State, a little bit tougher than I expected, of course. And then Marshall had no problem with Eastern Kentucky. I didn't get a chance to watch any of that UTEP Stephen F. Austin game or uh, who was playing. Someone was playing Houston Baptist, and I forget who it was, but uh, North Texas, actually. So. I did get a chance to watch some college football over this Labor Day weekend. And today, Monday, I will be checking out the Navy-BYU game. But yes, there is a little bit of an empty feeling because we're not getting a chance to talk about what Penn State potentially could have been doing. Now, we know that this is a lost season in so many regards because this was going to be a very good Penn State team. Uh, You look at the preseason polls and some of the preseason rankings that we've been discussing over the course of the last few months, even before the Big Ten decided that they were not going to be playing football this season, or I should say postpone their fall season. Penn State was being highly regarded as a potential playoff team. And depending on which ranking you looked at, they were either the next team 
out or the first team out of a four-team field, or they're certainly in that top 10. I think the AP poll had them as a preseason number seven. So certainly they were going to be in a playoff-worthy conversation as long as they took care of their business. And we've discussed it before so many times, breaking down the schedule and then the revised schedule. Penn State was going to have some challenges. No doubt about that. Certainly on the road against teams like Virginia Tech and Michigan. Uh, we all know the Ohio State game would have been at home, but we know that that's going to be a juggernaut of a game. And it is kind of an empty feeling. And I still will remain a little bit optimistic that maybe we are going to see some Big Ten football sooner than next fall. But again, I go back to that point of saying, I'll believe it when I see it. We're going to talk a little bit about that more as the podcast goes on. But I want to know what you guys were doing over this Labor Day weekend. Obviously, there wasn't a whole lot of college football to soak in. But I'm kind of curious if you spent some time going through a typical Saturday routine, if that is your typical routine, to veg out on as much college football as possible. And it was kind of strange seeing college game day broadcasting from studio and remotely from the different uh, analysts uh, homes Kirk Herbstreit obviously uh, took a lot of the uh, the center attention as uh, being emotional and talking about how you know, college football needs to adjust to racial sensitivities uh, ongoing throughout this country um, Maria Taylor certainly should be getting more of that conversation but I do feel that it was weird seeing Lee Corso uh, from his deck patio i don't know but with a game day set that was kind of funny it was a nice little nod and it will be good to see that college game day is going to be going on the road i don't know if they're going to be doing it every week this season but they are going to be doing it for this upcoming week in week two as they go to the wake forest clemson game but i want to hear from you guys what did you do on this first full weekend quote full weekend of college football week one of the season did you watch any college football did you get angry did you get sad i know looking at my twitter feed there were a lot of people that were lamenting the fact once again that we're not getting a chance to talk about some big 10 and penn state football again penn state would have been playing this past weekend if the big 10 was playing games this year if obviously they were originally scheduled to play kent state when the Big Ten went to conference-only games, they had Penn State matched up against Northwestern. Both games would have been at home. And instead, James Franklin had to put out a message to all the fans on the Twitter feed, just to kind of reminding them to kind of hang in there, wear their masks, and hopefully one day, I guess to paraphrase, he said that we'll get that family reunion back together in Beaver Stadium. I don't know when that's going to be. I hope it's as soon as possible, and I'm new. I'm not alone in saying that. So let us know what you did during week one of the college football season and how much college football do you think you're going to be watching this season? Since you're not going to have a vested rooting interest in Penn State or how anything may impact Penn State's outcome, what are you going to be doing this season? I know I'm going to be watching as much as possible, but let me know how much college football you think you're going to be watching. If you're looking for the perfect snack that's going to help fill you up and taste good at the same time, well, look no further because Built Bar is here. They are back. They are new and improved. And it's not just the wrapping that has changed. They have added a whole bunch of new flavors. The improved Built Bar is even deliciouser than it was before. And some of these new flavors that are out there, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, apple almond crisp, the perfect combination for a nice fall Saturday when you're going to watch whatever college football you may be watching this year. And I know I'm going to be indulging in a bunch of Built Bars, not just on Saturdays, but also through the week because they are the perfect mid-morning snack for me during a long day at work. Or if you need something that's going to help fill you up before you go to the gym or just kind of fill you up to get you to that next meal, Built Bar is there for you. They are the protein bars. They taste just like a chocolate bar. There is no possible way that you can go wrong with that. 
So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you're going to get $10 off your next order. So use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. And even better, while supplies last, they're going to throw in a free cooler with your purchase. So you get $10 off the Built Bars, you get a free cooler. What more could you possibly ask for? Again, go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Well, you've seen the rumors, you've seen the headlines. Big Ten football could be coming back relatively soon, which means you need to make sure your car or truck is in perfect working order to make sure you're ready for your next tailgate. And the best way to do that is to go to RockAuto.com. Make sure you get all the parts you need for your car or truck. Look, rockauto.com, they're a family business. They've been serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. They know what it takes to satisfy their customers, and they even offer contactless delivery, which is all the rage these days. So you can get whatever part you need to make sure your car or truck is ready to leave your driveway, head on out to Happy Valley, and tailgate with your closest friends, with proper social distancing, of course. RockAuto.com catalog is so unique and remarkably easy to navigate. All you have to do is go to RockAuto.com, enter the make and model of your car, and it's going to bring you up everything they have available for your vehicle, and they're going to give you the best prices available. And it doesn't matter if you're a professional or a do-it-yourself or if you're just a a novice like me who has no clue what they're talking about, they're going to make sure you get the best price available no matter your skill level or your expertise. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, Locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com So last time we talked about this topic on the podcast, we talked about how President Donald Trump was putting out a tweet saying that the Big Ten could very well be playing much earlier than anticipated, suggesting that the return of Big Ten football was actually on the one yard line. Now, that conversation, the details of that conversation with the Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren weren't specifically addressed in a Big Ten follow-up statement other than to confirm that there was a conversation, there was some uh, encouraging developments, I guess, coming out of that conversation. But now we know a little bit more about where things could potentially be going for the Big Ten. And there is a little bit of a sense of optimism that, again, we could see Big Ten football much earlier than I was originally anticipating when the conference decided to shut down or postpone all the fall sports for this upcoming year. Let's go first out to the Pac-12. Now, the other day, uh, late last week, the Pac-12 put out a, a statement saying that they have got some developments with uh, rapid testing that are in the works. And Commissioner Larry Scott suggested that it could very well put the Pac-12 on track to start playing football maybe in January, if not sooner. So that's pretty cool, and that certainly is something to look forward to. Obviously, we hope that that all pans out in a positive way and and lives up to some of the hype that it's already been receiving. And I think a lot of people are suggesting that if the Pac-12 can do it, then maybe the Big Ten can and will as well. And again, we don't know what the timelines are actually going to be. I still think there's a lot of information that needs to be figured out, but... The Pac-12 development and the suggestion that the Big Ten is openly discussing what their next plan is suggests that we could be heading in the good direction to get some Big Ten football and some Pac-12 football. And then the question is, when do they start coming back and how does that impact whatever's going to happen with the college football playoff? We'll cross some of those details a little bit later when we're ready to address those uh, 
points of clarification because until we have any kind of timeline for what either conference is planning on doing, I think it's unwise to really speculate too much and go through all the different scenarios because obviously you know what they are. I mean, what do you do with the college football playoff? Are you going to be able to start games in time and get in enough games to play a full season? to send in your best representative out of the Big Ten and potentially the Pac-12 to be included in a college football playoff. I, I think the college football playoff is going to be a lost cause for both conferences this season. I've said all this before. The college football playoff, the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12, there's no reason for any of those entities to hold up things to wait for the Big Ten or the Pac-12. I, I really feel that uh, if those conferences and the college football playoff are able to move forward, then they should do so. And if that means that it's going to leave out the Big Ten and the Pac-12 this year, so be it. Those are the decisions that the conference has made, and they'll have to adjust accordingly. And then hopefully next year we can get into a regular rhythm as far as how everything comes together. But as I'm recording this on Sunday, the president once again took to Twitter and was commenting on this current situation with the Big Ten suggesting that the Big Ten really is getting very close to being able to return, but there could be some political hang-ups in the states of, specifically, as he mentioned, uh, Michigan, Illinois, and Maryland. And this led to an attack on the governors of those states, which is not uncommon for the president, if we're being honest. He has no problem calling out different governors if things aren't going the way that he wants them to do. And again, we understand there are always going to be some political narratives that get tied into some of these decisions, especially when you're talking about such large universities and institutions like we see in the Big Ten with Ohio State and Michigan, Penn State, of course. Uh, these are land-grant universities. These are landmark uh, stables of the economies in those different college towns and regions. So obviously we know how important it is politically to be able to get these schools to play some football and generate some uh, economic growth and um, stability more so in various college towns like Lincoln, Nebraska, and of course State College, Pennsylvania. We're not going to get too much into the political realm of all of this, but it is important to just throw it out there and comment on it because it is a big story, and anytime that the president tweets something, it's going to be reacted to from so many different angles. And because this one's hitting so close to home within the Big Ten and what this potentially means for a Penn State football season, we're obviously going to have to comment on it all here. So I don't know how much sway any tweeting from the president is actually going to have on the university presidents that ultimately make these final decisions. The Big Ten has come out and said that there, there was a vote to not play fall sports this year, and it was an 11-3 vote. Uh, again, the three dissenting schools were Nebraska, Iowa, and Ohio State. So I don't know if there's really enough that's going to overchange or overrule the previous vote that had already been conducted, unless they can get some access to the rapid tests that are supposedly going to be developed, and if they can get them around to the entire conference foothold, uh, that would be a big step forward. And th that would obviously be a positive step uh, for everybody involved around the Big Ten. And I would love to see it. I, I really would like to see uh, everybody be on the same page if and when this conference is going to start playing football again. Now, <laughs> the president suggested that maybe the Big Ten would uh, continue moving forward even without uh, Michigan, Illinois, and Maryland. Now, I don't know if he was specifically leaving out schools like Michigan State and Northwestern, although those are schools that are in Michigan and Illinois uh, respectively. So I would imagine uh, the Big Ten would not be moving forward if they didn't have five schools ready to go for the upcoming season. Those schools being Michigan, Michigan State, Illinois, Northwestern, and of course, Maryland. Um, and there are some other 
issues that some other schools are going to have to combat as well. You know, Rutgers has been hit hard through the COVID-19 pandemic. We've seen those reports. Uh, again, Michigan State has as well, but well, let's just lump them into the idea of Michigan, uh, the, the governor of Michigan saying that schools aren't going to be able to play. Uh, that's, um, that's a lot of schools that I think would hold off the Big Ten from pursuing any kind of a season this upcoming year. I'm not saying it's going to slam the door shut on the return of Big Ten football, but that's a that's a significant portion of your conference. When you have five members of a 14-league conference, yeah, you have nine schools that could potentially play this year, but there's no guarantee that all nine of those schools would play this year. Obviously, there's a lot to lose by not playing, and that's what it all comes down to. So you can probably throw together something with a nine membership, a uh, nine school membership, if that has to be the case. But again, I don't think the Big Ten would endorse moving forward uh, with any plan that would exclude that many schools and members. So again, I don't know where the politics line is when it comes to what's going to happen with the sports within the Big Ten, but it could very well be a significant line. Now, we'll say over the weekend, we saw some demonstrations at Michigan where families and uh, players, student athletes across the Michigan football and sports families were marching in Ann Arbor, demanding that the Big Ten or, or certainly Michigan get it to a point where the Big Ten is going to play. And you know, Jim Harbaugh had some strong statements suggesting that Michigan would be ready to play a game in two weeks. And I don't necessarily doubt that because a lot of these Big Ten schools have still been going through workouts and practices with the hope that uh, not just keeping players in shape and keeping them uh, in the best position ready to play should that event ever happen. But I do think that you know, certainly coaches are going to say what coaches will say. So I don't think anything that Jim Harbaugh said should be taken uh, too lightly or too seriously. But I do think it was an interesting choice of words. And he kind of was drawing the line in the sand as well. And there's been some reports that he and the president of the University of Michigan aren't exactly uh, in touch right now, which is a little disturbing. I think if you're a Michigan fan, kind of hoping for the best here. And certainly it's not going to help silence any potential rumors for Jim Harbaugh's future if and when the NFL starts calling during their next round of the coaching carousel. I don't know if Jim Harbaugh is leaving Michigan just yet, so I wouldn't get too strongly attached to that idea. But it is kind of an interesting wrinkle to all this that's going on. I, I don't think that the Big Ten is going to be playing this fall. I don't think they would be playing before January. But I, I certainly don't think that they would be playing without Michigan. I'm just throwing that out there. I don't think that that's a realistic scenario that the Big Ten would seriously consider. So that's just what I think. Let me know what you think. Do you think we're going to see some movement to get some Big Ten football as early as October? And if so, how many teams do you, in the Big Ten do you think are going to be able to play? Let us know by hitting us up on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. And of course, you can check out our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. There was some news regarding Penn State over the weekend that we should at least address real quick, and that is that Penn State freshman defensive lineman Brandon Taylor no longer a part of the program. Penn State officials have confirmed that departure, saying that Taylor has been removed from the program due to a violation of team rules. And we don't know what those team rules are. I'm not going to get into what they may or may not have been, but uh, certainly that's a, always a disturbing development when you get a young player 
who is probably going to redshirt this year anyway, but still, you know, you get a chance to you know, play in up to four games, even if you're redshirting. So uh, obviously they're not playing this year, so that's really a non-factor here. But regardless, anytime a player is booted from the program for a violation of team rules, it's not necessarily the best development that any program uh, takes on, but it does happen. So, uh, you know, he was a three-star prospect. Again, he was most likely going to be redshirting this year, so we would have had a very small role in anything that would have happened with Penn State's defensive line this year. But uh, nonetheless, Penn State is moving on. Uh, their defensive line depth, uh, whenever they do get a chance to play, is probably still going to be okay. So I don't know if this is necessarily a, a decision or a development that's going to wreck the entire defensive line. But obviously, uh, I don't know what the problem is with Taylor and his uh, violation of team rules, but we'll wish him the best of luck with whatever, whatever his next stop is going to be. Now, if you're not paying attention to college football this weekend, maybe you're paying attention to some of the NFL storylines that have been going on. And, of course, uh, the last couple of days saw NFL teams trying to meet their 53-man uh, roster requirements as mandated by the NFL calendar with the NFL schedule really about to kick off this weekend. So uh, some interesting developments, I think, as far as some Penn Staters of the past are concerned. Uh, most notably, Saquon Barkley did make the cut with the New York Giants, so that's always good to see. But on a more serious note, uh, in with the Baltimore Ravens, we saw former Penn State quarterback Trace McSorley has uh, made the cut to be uh, a backup to Lamar Jackson. And obviously, Trace McSorley is not very likely to play a very big role in that Baltimore Ravens offense with Lamar Jackson. Uh, but it is good to see that Trace McSorley is going to have a landing spot in the NFL moving forward, be one of those backups should the Ravens need to replace Lamar Jackson at any point in time. Uh, also of note, of course, uh, the Ravens still also have Robert Griffin III, so they've got a couple Heisman Trophy quarterbacks <laughs> working with that Baltimore Ravens offense, and then, of course, you know what Trace McSorley is capable of doing, so uh, that that's good to see. Always fun to see Trace McSorley have some success there. Wish him the best of luck moving forward. Uh, of course, uh, roster cuts generally mean that a lot of players that you may be more familiar with are probably going to have to uh, search for some new homes, and <laughs> that's certainly going to be the case here uh, on a bunch of the recent transactions involving former Nittany Lions not making the cut We'll start with a couple from some of the more local NFL teams, if you will. First of all, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, a former wide receiver, Syed Blacknall, was waived. I think he had just signed with the Steelers as well. So that's not typically uncommon this time of year around training camp. So uh, Blacknall waived by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles, Sharif Miller, former defensive end, uh, he was waived by the Eagles. I was kind of hoping that he was going to hang on with the Eagles. I thought that would have been a really cool uh, pairing for years to come. Obviously not going to be the case now in Philadelphia. While Saquon Barkley did make the cut with the Giants, uh, former defensive back Grant Haley was waived by the Giants. Uh, with the Dallas Cowboys, I should have mentioned this one earlier, Sean Lee, he's not been waived by the Cowboys, but he is heading to the injured reserve list. Uh, so that's on a very unfortunate. Uh, we know he's been banged up throughout his NFL career. So uh, a tough way for him to start the season. We'll see where that leads him in the long run. But uh, Cowboys hoping to keep him around, keep him involved. And that's probably a wise decision because he's certainly a great leader. There's no question about that. He is a, he is a very... A uh, good guy to have in that locker room uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. And as an Eagles fan, it kills me to see Sean Lee in a Cowboys uniform because, first of all, every time he plays the, on the field against the Eagles, he seems to be making tackles. And he's, he's, he's a really good guy, a uh, really great linebacker. And again, it's just a shame that he has not been able to stay healthy. Uh, let's go back into the NFC South where A.Q. Shipley. 
uh, who had just signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, just recently. He has now officially been released. Uh, obviously, he's not going to get a chance to provide any protection for Tom Brady or uh, former LSU running back Leonard Fournette, who had just signed there. Uh, another couple of uh, transactions of note, uh, former wide receiver Jawan Johnson, who had transferred to Oregon, if you remember. Uh, he was waived by the New Orleans Saints. Uh, the New Orleans Saints also waived former quarterback Tommy Stevens, who was being worked out at quarterback and tight end. Uh, let's see, one more of note. Uh, tight end Nick Bowers, waived by the Las Vegas Raiders. So that's just a handful of some of the, uh, the transactions that have come through. Uh, now that teams are pretty much settled on their 53-man rosters, uh, just keep an eye out because there's always going to be players that are added to practice squads and you know, obviously injuries happen. So uh, keep an eye out for some of those transactions moving forward. And I think one of the things we will do here on this podcast on a weekly basis is kind of take a look to see what some of the former Penn Staters have done in the NFL. Obviously, if we don't have Penn State football to talk about, let's talk about what some of these former Nittany Lions have done at the next level. Which basically means that every week we'll be talking about the amazing run that Saquon Barkley had against the NFC East <laughs> opponents. Uh, uh, but it should be pretty fun. It'll just be something to keep tabs on moving forward. One other thing I want to mention right now is uh, we have adopted a team for the upcoming season or the college football season that is happening right now. And by unanimous consent, uh, because they are the only school that really made a pitch and really came through with this. We are adopting the Auburn Tigers. We're going to spend one segment every week talking about the Auburn Tigers. We're going to take a look at the game that they have upcoming. We're going to talk about the game they just had. Uh, obviously, things have been a little bit shaky lately for Auburn as we move closer and closer to when the start of the SEC schedule is going to be played. But I think Auburn's going to be a fun team to keep an eye on. And as we t we've talked about the last week, uh, Auburn's a team that's coming up on Penn State's schedule, assuming that the non-conference schedule stays as it is in the coming seasons and we don't have to make any adjustments there because a home-and-home -home series with Auburn is going to be a lot of fun. So this year, we're going to follow Auburn on a week-to-week -week basis. They don't get started for a couple of weeks, so we've got some time to prep up on our Auburn knowledge, and I think it's going to be pretty fun. And I was happy to see so many Auburn fans coming in and telling us to adopt Auburn. Well, guess what, Auburn fans? We are now going to be a, one of you, at least for this season, and then we'll see where things go after this. But it, it's going to be fun. We'll talk about Auburn a little bit. We'll also take a look back at some of the previous matchups between Auburn and Penn State because there are a couple that have happened in the bowl season. But I'm really looking forward to that home-and-home home series that's going to be starting up here uh, next year. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Auburn Tigers. What do we think about that? And hey, if there's anyone who wants to adopt a, another team out there, go for it. We'll chime in and let us know what you think about your team that you've adopted for this season. And we'll just have fun keeping tabs. You know, maybe if you want to have one team per conference, I think that that's fine. Uh, more rooting interest, the better this particular season. Anything that's going to keep you engaged. But we're going to stay engaged by talking some Auburn football <laughs> right here on this podcast. Should be a lot of fun. And I hope you guys enjoy it as well. That's all for me today, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Again, if you enjoyed it, make sure you leave a rating or review on your preferred podcasting app. Your feedback really does help us grow the show moving forward, and we genuinely like to hear what you have to say about this podcast, about this episode. So make sure you leave your ratings and reviews. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button as well, and then check us out on all of our social media platforms on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch by using the username LockedOnNittany. I'm Kevin McGuire. I'm a contributor to AthlonSports.com. You can give me a follow on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. Check out my Patreon page at Patreon.com slash Kevin McGuire. 
One last thing before I go, make sure you check out the brand new and improved Locked On College Football Podcast for a recap of everything that has gone down over the opening weekend here. And it's going to be a Monday through Friday podcast and a new episode every day. And I'll be there hosting Thursday's episode as we look forward to the week two schedule. So looking forward to being a part of that program. Hopefully you guys go check that out for more of an overall general college football fix. And also don't forget about the Locked On Big Ten podcast where Ben's going to be bringing in a whole bunch of us Big Ten hosts very soon. So stay tuned for some more details on that. Have a great day, guys. Hope you had a great holiday weekend. If you're listening to this and it's still the holiday weekend, enjoy the rest of it because you're going to get back to reality very soon. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll talk to you later.